to C3 Church Hepburn Heights. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. How are we doing everybody? Welcome to church. Welcome to the final week of See the Other, Love the Other series. If you haven't been able to be here for the first two weeks, you can check out the podcast, you can check out YouTube, our YouTube channel, Church Online, you can check those out. We have week three today and the previous two weeks I've talked about my love for movies and in particular ensemble movies where you've got all the characters coming together and they're either working together or working against each other and there's always a character that you kind of connect with, that you, oh, I want to be more like that person, or I like, I like what they stand for, or I'd really love to have their superpowers. I'm sure you guys have been having these kind of conversations at the kitchen table amongst your family over the last few weeks, right? Put your hand up if you've had those conversations with your family members, no one. Awesome. Awesome. So think Avengers, think Justice League, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and and over the last few weeks we've asked some of our team what character they'd connect with the most out of some of these ensemble cast movies, and we've we've had some fun, haven't we? Do you guys want to see our last instalment today? All right, Pastor Tom Hawks is Doctor Strange. He's an ordinary guy who's been awakened to the spiritual realm, nice facial hair, interesting choice of clothing, and he just spends a lot of time drawing circles. And, and, and Tom is our main media guy, and he spends a lot of time drawing the purpose circles. Pastor Karen Gould, she would not tell me for weeks, hey, did you, you went early. I was building that up. It's Iron Man. Always looks good. Has a different outfit outfit for every different occasion, even if they only wear it once. Much the chagrin of the husband. Um, Makes life better for others. This is probably more of a dream that she'd like to just be as smart as Iron Man uh, uh, and as powerful, as as tech savvy. She's getting there. Um, you'll get there, babe. Fraser Brown. Who wants to know what... Don't go early on this one. (laughs) Fraser hasn't seen this yet. He's excited to see this. Fraser Brown is Princess Leia. (laughs) 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 Oh, my goodness. Ugliest woman I've ever seen. <laughs> he, he did a, a, an online personality test once and he got Princess Leia. That's, that's the reason. Okay, finally, Pastor Jason Schroeder. We needed to have our lead pastor. And of course, he's Captain America. <laughs> Noble humble, hardworking, a great leader, and he went from being scrawny in the spirit to being a powerhouse in the spirit. Is that, why is he holding Thor's 
Is that? Wow, that's weird. That is weird. There are some characters that we connect with, and on the flip side, there are characters in these movies that we just don't connect with, that we prefer not to be associated with. We don't want to be like, and they become the other. And in our lives, the idea, the, idea, the notion of the other, it exists, it's real. And whether it's subconsciously or, or consciously, we have a list of the other in our worlds based on our experiences, our upbringing, what we've been taught. We've got a list of the other, those who we don't associate with, those who we distance ourselves from, we don't agree with maybe, we may struggle with aspects of who they are, with what they believe, with how they live. Regardless of this list that we have of the other, the mandate from God for all Christians, for all followers of Christ is clear. Through his word, through the teachings of Jesus, it is clear that you and I are to make every effort to love the other. And sometimes when we're trying to be obedient in doing this, if we, we kind of get it, yeah, I've got I to love the other, and, and we're, we're trying to do this, and we're trying to fulfill this mandate, this call from God, sometimes we can just default to doing it without the heart and without the full empowering available behind it. And it can become this dry, stale obligation. And who knows that no habit or routine that we're trying to build lasts long from that state of obligation. And that is why ground zero for this series has been Luke 15, 11 to 32. Uh, a better parable for this series, a better parable for just going and loving others would have been the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? It, Luke talks about Jesus sharing this parable in, in chapter 10, only five chapters earlier. And I did, I've asked God throughout this, these, these weeks, why this parable and not the parable of the Good Samaritan? Because the parable of the Good Samaritan is so clear, clear cut. Who is my neighbor? Your neighbor is everyone. You are to love and show mercy to your neighbor. That would have probably been a, a, a better parable, right? Probably a shorter series five minutes, just go and do it. (laughs) And so I've asked God, why? Why this parable and not the parable of the Good Samaritan? I felt God's response, the, the, the heart of the Father in this season, wanting to draw his church, his kids, back to intimacy with him, back to his warm, grace fueled embrace. And it's from that place of being close to the heart of the Father, being in communion with Him, being washed by His grace and His love and His forgiveness and and filled and empowered by His Spirit that, that you and I can truly have the greatest impact in seeing the other and in loving the other. And so Luke 15, 11 to 32 is where we landed. And we traditionally know this parable as the parable of the prodigal son or the lost son. But it's more aptly to be called the parable of the loving father. As it focuses on the father who who represents the heart of Father God and his extravagantly generous, somewhat reckless love that leads to a demonstration of grace and forgiveness that isn't dependent on the goodness or the rightness of the other. In that case, his two sons. 
And when this heart, the heart of the Father, when it comes alive in the people of God, in His kids, in His church, that is a game changer for our wider community. And so let's read this beautiful parable again. Luke 15, 11 to 32. He also said, Jesus here is explaining three parables to a crowd. And so it's Jesus sharing this third parable right now. A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the carob pods the pigs were eating, but no one would give him any. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food, and here I am dying of hunger? I'll get up, I'll go to my father, and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired hands. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his slaves, quick, bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and let's celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. As he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants and asked what these things meant. Your brother is here, he told him. And your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, look, I've been slaving many years for you. I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet You never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Son, he said to him, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And over the past two weeks, I've, I've tried my hardest to focus on each of the two sons. But it's been emphatically clear that in trying to talk about each of the two sons, I can't help but keep coming back and talking about the father. Because... The father's heart looms large over this parable. And today I want to summarize the heart of the father, the, fa- the heart of Father God for you and I. Number one, the father's heart is to remove the barriers. His heart is to remove the barriers of sin and shame for the son who left and came back. 
His heart is to remove the barriers of pride, of legalism from the son who stayed. And how did he do that? By leading with love. By showing grace and forgiveness that is not contingent on the other showing sorrow or regret. And this love, it's seemingly reckless. It's overtly relentless. It's abundant. It knows no bounds. The Father's heart is to remove the barriers. Secondly, the Father's heart is to restore the identity of sonship. And what we have here is this slave and son dichotomy kind of as a thread through this parable. The son who left and came back, he'd kind of resolved in his heart that he'd, he'd lost that identity of sonship. And he kind of, through his actions, you know, he, there were consequences for his actions. He, he knew that. He was prepared to take the place, the position of a slave, of a hired hand, someone who would work to earn being in the house of the father. And so as he's a long way off, his father kind of blows that out of the water and shows the exact opposite by running to him, by saying, as soon as he said, I'm sorry, he said, quick, quick. He was so quick to restore the son who left and came back to to the identity of sonship, put the ring on his finger, the cloak around him, put the, the sandals, get that fattened calf, let's kill it, cut it up, eat it restoration was swift. And then we have the son who stayed. The son who stayed had lived his whole life as a son by name, but by name only. His identity, his nature, the relationship that he had with his father was all wrapped up as one of a slave, one of a hired hand. Even though sonship was a reality, it was his identity, his God-given identity. His identity as son was assured. Even though that was the case, he was locked in this loop of legalism. And he became someone who was constantly just trying to earn his way to closeness with the father. His father comes out and pleads with him, reminded him that everything that the father had was his Come, come into the house. Come into the house. He pleaded with him, come party. Come and celebrate. This is all yours. And we don't know what the son who stayed did. The father's heart is to restore the identity of sonship. And thirdly, the father's heart is to reconcile intimacy of relationship. His goal was to get close to his sons. His goal was to get his sons into the house. He's coming off the porch, running hard to the son who's coming back. He's coming out of the house, the the place of celebration to come and plead with the son who stayed. He wants closeness. He wants to hold his kids. He wants to touch them and hug them. He wants to laugh with them and he wants to cry with them. He wants to make sure that no matter what happens in life, the ups and the downs, the pain, the joy, the suffering, the heartache, no matter what happens, that the Father is always there. He's always close. And the door to his house is always open. This is Father God's heart for all of humanity. This is Father God's heart for you 
and I. His heart is to remove the barriers that are limiting us, that are restricting us, that are holding us back, that are causing us to to drown in despair. The things that are quietly and, and subtly just eroding our confidence, eroding our identity, extracting our very spirit, breathe life. His heart is to remove those barriers, the sin that easily entangles. His heart is to restore our identity as sons and daughters, that we wouldn't operate in this slave dichotomy, this, this slave kind of position, not, to pay, not made to pay for our sin, not made to try and earn love and forgiveness and, and entrance into his presence, but secure, secure, assured, as sons and daughters of the Most High, with access to all He has, all the resources of heaven, you and I as sons and daughters, we have access. When He says, when He, when he, when he comes to restore our identity, He says, you are worthy. I make you worthy. You're worthy as my son. You're worthy as my Daughter, his heart is to restore and his heart is to reconcile intimacy. He is pursuing you and I. He's pursuing you and I. He is somewhat reckless, somewhat relentless. He is pursuing, he's after closeness, he's after intimacy with you and I. He doesn't want to have this kind of relationship that is a transactional relationship. He wants the kind of relationship where there is intimacy, where we're including Him in every part of who we are. He wants to be the shoulder that we're crying on. He wants to be the person that we're laughing with. He wants to be the one that brings peace through those anxious times. He wants to be at the very centre of our lives of our decisions, of our relationships. He wants to be at the very centre. His heart is to reconcile intimacy. And so how will we respond? What is our response to the Father's heart calling out to us? We're going to have an opportunity right now to respond to the Father's heart of God. We're going to play a song, it's called The Pride of a Father, and the words just are so beautifully connected to this parable. And so the song is going to play, and the lyrics are going to come up, and, and the lights are going to come down, and it's going to be a moment for you and I to respond. It's, it's almost like a coming into the Father's house moment. I know, you were kind of just wanting me to preach, and you sit back and inspect, I know, But more than you hearing my words, the Father wants to connect with you. This is just words. He wants to bring intimacy. And so we're going to have a moment right now. And so maybe you want to respond to him and and have that sense of removing the barriers, the things that you feel like are maybe in the way between you and God. It might be that moment. Maybe it's a restoring of identity moment where you feel like you've been in that earning kind of transactional loop of legalism and it's, it's that moment again of, 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 of being restored to sonship, to daughtership. 
Or maybe it's that reconcile of intimacy with him, of relationship. You maybe have felt at a distance to him and it's a moment of just coming close. And so what does that look like for you? That might look like you sit in your seat and nothing changes and you just open your heart to God. It might mean that you open your hands up before him. It might mean that you stand up. It might mean this altar is going to be open and it might mean that you want to come out and actually just kneel or stand on the altar. This is, this is about your relationship with your Father right now. And so it's an opportunity for you, you to respond however you feel led so that He can come close and you can encounter the incredible love of the Father. And so why don't we play that song right now, dim those lights, Holy Spirit come. thousand miles to win the race of life but what's the value without you I could write a thousand songs to captivate your heart but more than offerings would you seek the depths of me when you
God, I want to thank you for your heart for us. That even though we don't deserve it, even though there's nothing that we can do to earn it, you call us yours. You went above and beyond. You did everything that needed to be done to call us sons and daughters. Sons and daughters of Father God. Some people that just need to hear that today. You are His Son. You're beloved. You're His child. There's nothing He wouldn't do for you. You're His daughter. No matter how blemished or stained we feel, no matter how many times we get it wrong. His arms of love are stretched out wide. And He's calling us near. Come. Come. Come close. Don't stand at a distance. You're not a slave. You're not a hired hand. You're my son. You're my daughter, says God. You're my kid. There's nothing I wouldn't do for you. When you leave, I'm I'm standing on that porch day and night waiting for you. When you're not in the house and not in the party and you're You're working to earn relationship. I'll leave that party. I'll leave that place of life and I'll come and I'll plead with you. Hear the Father's heart today. He's calling you near. He's calling you near. Jesus. Pull those lights back up. Feel free to, you can stay, you can go back. Father's heart in this parable, his goal is to get his sons into the house. To experience intimacy, to to be reconciled to the father. But more than that, his goal is to get both of the sons in the house at the same time to be reconciled to each other.
He wants the sons to be together, to get together, to talk, to laugh, to celebrate the things they have in common, to commit to loving and serving each other despite their differences. Father God's heart for us is the same. He wants us to have intimacy with him and he wants us to be reconciled to our fellow brother, our fellow sister. He wants you and I to have a genuine heart and love for the other, despite the difference, despite the disagreement. And we, as his people, we are called to carry that heart, carry his plan, this plan of redemption for all humanity to see and to love the other. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. And we read this scripture kind of at the beginning of of this season when Hayden Glass from Red Frogs came. And I feel like it's a good way to, to bookend this little season that we've been in, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 21. Everything is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that we might know the righteousness of God In him, we have this ministry of reconciliation. And yeah, we're called to reconcile people to God, but we can't deliver this message. We can't deliver this ministry if we're carrying anger and judgment and comparison like the older son was carrying towards his brother. The older brother carried this, it's not fair, what about me kind of attitude. It's not fair. I don't care what this this, this son's done. He doesn't deserve what I deserve. When the father came out to plead with him, he, he, he carried this hardness of heart. It's not fair. What about me? And in this vein, I want to read something that I wrote a couple of months ago and Pastor M has collabed on it and, and printed it up and made it so much better. So thank you for that. So it's a bit poetic and... It's not fair, seems the cry of the age. And what of it? Life isn't fair. Power and greed isn't fair. Self-interest and manipulation isn't fair. And yet grace isn't fair. God dying for our sin isn't fair. It's not fair is exactly why Jesus came. It's not fair is why forgiveness is available. It's not fair inspired the abolition of the institution of slavery It's not fair led to the Bible being translated in the common language for all to have. It's not fair is loving our enemies. It's not fair is serving rather than shouting. It's not fair is the beating Jesus endured. It's not fair are the nails driven through flesh and bone into timber. It's not fair is God's outrageous love-drenched solution. And so, it's not fair that we don't love the Muslim. It's not fair that we don't love the lesbian. It's not fair that we don't love the atheist. 
It's not fair that we are continually known for our judgment and hypocrisy. It's not fair that the gospel is the great leveller, the invitation to all, none left out. It's not fair that Jesus himself, breathing his last breath with life exhaled out of him, died so that we could live again. It's not fair is not to be our exasperated cry pointed at the other. It's not fair is to be our motivating love compelled to the other. And so in view of this, I know that's a bit challenging, isn't it? It's challenging me. But in view of this, in view of the lengths that God went to for you and I, for every human, Jesus, God incarnate, God come near, Emmanuel, God is near, God is close, coming near to live and and die and rise from the grave for everyone. In response to that, how are you and I as a church community going to see and love the other in this season and beyond? Because I don't want to be the same. I don't want just a nice little jolt from this series and then go back to my same old attitudes. Something needs to shift in me. Something can shift in us as a church community. We can rise and be the church that we're called to be, the hands and feet of love for this community. And so let's make a decision together today. Things are changing. Things are changing. Let us commit again to this see the other, love the other action plan that we've talked about that's on socials. You can check those out and reading the passage and allowing God to speak to you and allowing action to come from it. But this Christmas and beyond, let us truly be challenged and changed again by the Father's heart of love for us that we would see and love the other. Please stand to your feet. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your heart towards us. We thank you that as sons and daughters, you fill us with your love and we're secure in our identity. And God, we pray for those who are the other, for those who don't know yet that they are sons and daughters of you. For those who, for whatever reason, there are barriers. I pray, God, that you would fill us with compassion for them. I pray that you would break our hearts again for those in our world, God, who are the other those who we don't agree with, God. I pray that you would give us a love, the Father's love for them. And that, God, you would motivate and mobilize us to be your church, to be the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, and to point people to you. And so empower us today. We humble our hearts and we say we haven't got this right. But would you empower us again today that we may make those steps to truly and deeply see and love the other in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us here on our podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. 
If you want to check out more about our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, go to c3hh.com.au.